Hello, everybody. Hello, playing in traffic. We're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. We are not in retirement. We did not retire from our long career of playing in traffic podcasters. So have no fear. We're here. Tonight, no hopes to have a really great guest, but there was a minor hiccup in scheduling. So Tony and I are popping in. We're going to do a quick little update episode in lieu of that one, but that one is still coming just a little bit later in time. So look for that. So did you see that Jordan and Anthony interviewed Corey on Great Light Studios? I saw it and it was they did an amazing job. I just want to say great job. Anthony and Jordan did such a good job interviewing Corey. Corey's story is wild. It is wild. And so listening to her story kind of triggered other memories and thoughts that, you know, we had. So that was kind of one of the reasons that we wanted to come on. We'll put the link down at the bottom and you guys can check it out. It's it's a two-parter and it's very emotional and it's very shocking and disturbing. Do we want to start off with something sad? Because I can just share sort of one of the things that was triggered in my memory from watching her video. Let's go straight sad tonight. Just straight sad. Okay, sorry guys. Well, in this beautiful, bright holiday season, let's start off with some good old racism in the Wimscog. Corey spoke about a public shaming incident that happened to her. And that reminded me of something very traumatic that happened in North Glen, Colorado, when I was first becoming a group leader. And it's also extremely racist. And I want to, I wanted to share it. It was almost like this memory was unlocked hearing Corey tell her story. That rhymed. <laughs> but um that's why I think it's so important when we tell our stories because so much weird stuff happened to us over those years. It's like we forget these things. And then when you hear somebody else say it, it reminds you. It also validates you. Anyway, so we're so it's late at night and it's just the workers left. And our pastor was Pastor Daniel Park. And then it was like missionary Michael, um, deaconess Sessie, and then me and some other, you know, brothers and sisters who were becoming workers, but these were only workers. And we're sitting around a table and we're talking about hygiene. There's one sister who was who is the most beautiful sister, one of my favorite sisters of all the sisters. Um, even just talking about her makes me smile. She was funny and charismatic and so smart, not just church smart, but like real book smart. Like she actually read books before she came into the, the church. She's kind of like a nerd like us, you know, in a way, but everybody loved her. And I think in a way that made the other workers a little bit jealous. I want to paint the picture of what it's like because it's late at night. All the regular members have gone home. This is one of my first quote unquote workers meetings. So I'm feeling very special to be there. And I don't know what it's about, you know, and we're all sitting around and we start talking about hygiene. I don't know why they just started talking about hygiene. And then they called this sister out who was in the meeting with us 
and she is a black sister and it was so extremely awkward and terrible and terrifying it's like you go into a freeze mode as an observer um anyway so they started rebuking her about her appearance and they started like body shaming her and you know how there's a certain way to present yourself as a gospel worker a certain way to give glory to father and mother and we do that you know through our bodies and through our appearance and our appearance needs to make others feel comfortable it's our responsibility Mm -hmm. um, just to set the picture is this like all coming out of the pastor's mouth or is it by like multiple members so in the beginning it's the pastor I, I I see it now as preparing us for what he's about to do you know he's preparing us like we need to give glory to God through our bodies through our appearance we need to be clean right stuff like that but then directly they point her out they say that they've received some complaints or something like this. And that this was such a long time ago. So I can't exactly completely remember. They received some complaints or something like that. Or, you know, something has been disturbing them about her and about, you know, her body and the way that it smells and the way that it looks and the way that she dresses. All of this stuff. And there's probably like 10 of us in the room. And then and then the deaconess in the room chimes in and she goes, Pastor, I think it's because of her hair. In the moment, did you feel like this is inappropriate or were you just like, were you just like completely shocked? In what? the moment, in the, okay. So this is why I wanted to bring this up because Corey talked about a moment when she was experiencing public shaming and how there were people watching. And I feel like that was me watching and so it's undescribable indescribable unbelievable that you would sit there and listen to that happen to somebody that you really care about somebody that you really like to anybody even your enemy but the way that they prepare you first as a way as though okay we don't see flesh we don't see skin color we don't see the body. The body is just like a temporary home. When we're correcting you on your body, on what you're wearing, when we're correcting you on what you should look like, it's not because we're looking at your skin. It's because, you know, we're caring about your spirit. So it's like they 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 fuck it up in your head. So you're all like jumbled. You know that it's not right. You know that you feel weird and awkward and terrible. And you're looking down and you're not making eye contact with anybody. And you're just like, yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. Like that. But you're not as like enraged as a normal person should be. It's really messed up. And I for, had forgotten that that meeting happened. And then she took it. And then she legitimately tried her best to make changes. She tried to do her hair different a little bit. She tried to cut it different. She tried to, you know, change her clothes and she did those things. And she was in the church longer than me. I became a deaconess first and she, she did not become a deaconess until after I left. She always wanted to be a deaconess and she worked harder than anybody. She worked harder than me. She worked so hard 
everybody loved her but but pastor thought that she was like lazy that she was um like that she ate too much i mean all these things like he he believed he thought those things about her and it was like public knowledge that you know he thought those things about her when you became deaconess did you feel in the moment like oh i can't believe i'm getting this before her or, or were you just like okay whatever like not you didn't think about it at the time um i mean i'm sure i thought about it that's the thing it's like everybody everybody notices everybody knows she's been in the truth longer she can teach the bible way better than i can she could she could she knew the bible you know quote unquote you know whimscog style <clears throat> but she knew history you know same whimscog style history but she was very knowledgeable she should have become a deaconess way before me and another thing was that I thought that it was so weird that they kept pointing out about her hair and about how it was something about her hair that wasn't, they didn't like it. Like I said, this meeting was such a long time ago and it's almost as though I just blocked it out. Like I just, it was, it's so weird, but um, that public shaming is a powerful, strong force. And pastor would use it all the time to make an example out of you you know you always knew there was somebody that was going to be made an example out of you just didn't know if it was going to be you or not keeps you on your toes but it's terrible it's terrible when it's you and it's terrible when you watch it being done to somebody else awful how much of what so we're starting to hear a lot of um the east coast daniel lee is like the main pastor on the east coast how much of daniel lee's behavior that you hear like on a scale of one to 10, like how much do you think that's just his own personality and how much of that do you think is doctrine? Like how much of that is like connected to like what you saw your pastor doing? Because you're saying some things that I maybe assumed was just specific to this one guy on the East Coast. But if those same exact verbiage is being used in all the churches in the U.S., Either it's like a cultural thing for Koreans or there must be some sort of like meeting with the pastors. When they said that about her hair, were you just shocked? Were you like, I never once thought about her hair? I had never heard anybody talk to like that before in my entire life. And I was thinking, why are you picking on her directly? But now looking back, I'm sure they set up that whole meeting just, you know, to rebuke her and to make an example out of her. Um, but I think that Pastor Daniel Lee sounds completely out of control in his narcissistic behavior and the way he treats people. I do see a lot of similarities with the other pastors also. So I think it's a worldwide thing, girl. And also not just the pastors, the missionaries, some of the deaconesses, some of the group leaders. When people receive that kind of power, and inside of a cult, then dark, dark things can happen, which we're going to talk about in a minute about more. Another thing, I, it also reminded me of a term that, you know, was thrown around all the time in Denver was the word ghetto. When we would go preaching, it was very common to be told, don't go to the ghetto Walmart. Who's going to go to the ghetto one? Don't preach to anybody ghetto. You're walking by somebody, oh no, sister, they're too ghetto. We don't want to talk to them. Okay, but let me, 
explain what ghetto meant because looking at the people, it's either a person of color or a person that has a lot of children, somebody with a dis disability or, you know, something like that. But the word ghetto was a very common word used by all the, all the leaders. And then when I came out, I guess I didn't really understand that that is not a good word. I mean, I did not fully understand. Okay, because this is the thing, Lindsay, they tell you, one of the things that draws you to the church is that they're all different races. So you're like, oh, cool. I can be with a Korean person and a person from Mexico and a person, you know, from wherever. And it's all, it's all cool. And it's all fun. I love part of it. But then they twist it and they're like, we don't see race. We're all heavenly children. We're all one heavenly race. So then by saying that, whenever they are racist, they're just like, you're being racist. We don't even look at race. You know, they wanted to go to the rich neighborhoods, the rich, um, which obviously now, of course, it is probably about money. Of course, 100% now looking at it. But the terminology is awful. And, and the way that they would use it about the people, you know, like, oh, yeah, that or, or even about the own brothers and sisters, they'll be like, that sister is so ghetto. We need to really talk to her about that. She cannot be wearing that. That is so ghetto. You know, it's, it's, it was definitely, it was not a term of endearment. It was not a nice thing that they were saying. And it seemed to me that it was directed towards people of color. In my, in my opinion. And so that was very strange coming out and, and my husband would say, don't say that because I really don't like to shop at Walmart. And sometimes I would say Walmart is ghetto. And he would say, don't use the word ghetto ever again. And then it really, it really hit me because even now, Lindsay, I'm getting so angry because they even use my whiteness against me as a way of like. I think of keeping me ignorant of certain things and using me as, I don't know, their stupid puppet. So this was when the abortion rumors were really starting. I don't remember when it must have been 2011, 2012. I can't say for sure. They made video and they, they made videos and they would get all the sisters who had a baby in the church. And of course they called me because I had my oldest son in the church. And they set me up, uh, my, you know, banker outfit and put me by the flowers. And I had to give this whole statement about how the church encourages women to have children and they love children and children are such a blessing and nobody ever is encouraged to have an abortion. And I did that. And I said that. And I probably meant it at the time. <laughs> I probably meant it. I probably was so blind. And also at that point, I hadn't had my second baby. I hadn't experienced another pregnancy as a leader, which is a whole different experience than when you're a regular church member. So I don't know. I was just, I was so manipulated at that point, but they, that video is out there somewhere of me saying that they don't 
um, encourage abortion. So, you know, what's funny is they're probably using that right now in the church and then using my voice saying how they do encourage abortions and then showing that video to the members saying how I said they don't encourage abortions. And then the members are going to be all confused. It's like the propaganda isn't, they used to say this. Okay. You guys know what I'm talking about. You former members, the truth isn't for the people outside. The truth is for the people inside the Bible. They would say that the Bible isn't for the unbelievers. The Bible is for the believers, which would scare the shit out of us because, you know, the verse about there's two women in a field. So those are about two workers, two gospel workers, and one falls away and one keeps going. As a Bible teacher, when somebody brings somebody in, the pastor chooses who's going to teach them. And so every time there was somebody, older white i had to be their stupid teacher <laughs> and to me personally those kind of people for whatever reason are really intimidating <laughs> so it was always so uncomfortable always so uncomfortable and that's how they played it they played it like you match the white people with the white people to study and then if a black black person comes in they'll study with a black brother if a, a black girl comes in, they'll study with a black sister like that. Let me let me say that every study was extremely awkward. Every single study that I ever, ever did was so awkward with a brand new person. So I guess it doesn't really matter. But I just feel that they specifically would use me when somebody white, somebody sort of like, that had an attitude or something, they would put them with me, <laughs> you know? And I had to deal with them. Also, if somebody was a little bit mentally off, they would also put them with me. So that was really fun. Um, and so you're just in a lot of awkward situations, a lot of, you know, with strangers, people that you don't even know. And I don't know who this person is. I don't know anything about their background. So I have to come in and then I have to figure out what to study with them and how to defeat the evil spirits. Every single time is a, is a battle of evil spirits, quote unquote. And so you're trying to figure out what's the good food. But in reality, well, you're really trying, I mean, in reality, you're a salesman and you have this script kind of but you know you're also going off of intuition or whatever they're teaching you it's just this whole like fucking crazy ass thing and race plays a big part in it race plays a big big part in it and it's so unfortunate and it's so terrible and it's it's prevalent they're so open about it but like I said because they say oh we don't see race we don't believe in race you know we're all one people so then when they do make a comment you're just like ha, that's funny and everybody just kind of laughs it off, but you're just like, whoa, that was really fucked up. That wasn't funny. Me and my husband and my son, we were, for just a moment in time, we were the only white members and then everybody else, they were black and we had so much fun and they would always tease us about our Kool-Aid, which is also funny because it's a cult and it's Kool-Aid. They would always tease us that our Kool-Aid was like white people Kool-Aid because I would follow the instructions and I would put two cups of you know, sugar in the Kool-Aid, like it said, but they would just always joke with us. But we felt like for us to talk openly like that with each other, it was okay. 
because we genuinely didn't see a race and we were just having fun. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that that situation is even racist. I'm just saying like we were open and we would joke and we would, you know, it really wasn't a big thing. If you and JJ baby mm-hmm. were the hierarchy of the whole house, then the sy- systemic force of racism would be coming down from you and him. And so if you guys were being casual and everybody was being open, like that's a different kind of experience, right? Like everybody's like. You're right. We're talking. We created. We were in our own environment that we sort of created. It's just interesting. It was interesting that you said that. But anywho, anywho, listening to circle all the way back, listening to Corey's interview triggered a lot of different memories to come unlocked. So I hope it will continue to happen. Uh, Remembering some of these things is surprising. It's just that we all experience so many traumatic things as the people being rebuked and also the people sitting there having to listen to the rebuke and all the, the racist comments and body shaming. Tony, what's the meanest thing you ever had to rebuke somebody else on? Oh my God, girl, I cannot even, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I was, I was, I was one of the ones that had to do the body shaming even, right? And, but I was always the softer sister. So, you know, if it was, if it was going to be really upsetting, they would use me. Like there's one sister that, you know, had body odor, but also wasn't really mentally stable. So it was so difficult. What the fuck do I know? What do I know? I'm a 20 something year old kid. I don't know anything about these situations and, you know, how to approach somebody about their body weight or their, the smell of their body or anything like that. Would you do that kind of thing? Like one-on-one in a room by yourselves in that situation? Yes. Would just be you and that person? Yes. Most of the rebuking is done one-on-one. That's why you have a group leader or, you know, a team leader or whatever, because they're the ones that are in charge of keeping you in line. But if it's something really big and really major, then it could be public, but. Like someone's hair. I mean, that sounds like pretty neat. Yeah. So major that it has to be about somebody's hair. So ridiculous. Can you imagine somebody having a meeting about your hair? No. Like, what kind of world is that? Which is why they only had the workers in that meeting. If they would have had the regular common members in the meeting, that shit would never fly. But we're already so far deep in it that we, you know, I was never, ever told to rebuke a sister of color. I don't remember that I remember of as far as like something, you know, with their body. But all the time with white sisters like oh sister you need to be more graceful sister that skirt is a little too short today for the holy sabbath day next time it needs to be you know below your knee i think that is if you did approach it that way that's probably why they had you do it with people who were a little bit more confrontational because you're very Mm anti-confrontational they they probably that you know they they could see that you were able how much anxiety that gave me yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah. Oh God, I couldn't even, I hated it, hated it. And also my husband too, he is also non-confrontational. And so he also hated rebuking people. So then when we go to Boulder, the members are completely out of control, completely. Oh my God. It's so ridiculous. And 
they expect us, you know, to be, to be in charge. And do you know why? Because I honestly think it's because we are white because after our family left, okay. The, the family that we were with, they were a Mexican family and I, I love them so dearly. I really, really do. And I still do. Um, but our styles were different, you know, but then after we left another white couple took over and then after we left another white couple took over and then after that they closed it. They just had all the white couples up there and then nobody could do it because it's because it's bolder. Nobody wants to hear about God the mother. Nobody wants to join your crazy ass cult. They wanted they want to join your cult. They just don't want it to be restrictive. The cult is fine and bolder as long as it's like a hippie cult where you can like eat mushrooms, run around. That is not this one. No. Okay, so let's move on for a moment. Can we talk about something else? Well, can I just ask you one more question about rebuking? Yes. What's the worst thing you were ever, like, what's the most, like, um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's the most uh, damaging rebuking that you ever had? I think that I've spoken about it. Rebuking was a weekly thing. Wait, what was the dumbest thing? Like, what was the, have you ever been rebuked and been like, that's so fucking nitpicky and stupid? You, you could be rebuked any moment of any time. Um, but I did, ha- I did have one public rebuking that was really, really hard that I remember. Uh, the dumbest thing I was refer, Deaconess Essie pulled me out of the sanctuary one day. I was a newer member and I was trying to dress nice and I had a white bra on and a white shirt and she was like, you know, I can see your bra. It's black. And I was like, no, it's, I know that it's white and I know that you can't see it. And even if you can, you need to get out of here with that. You know, and she was just like, we never show our, that we, that's not appropriate. That is not, you know, giving glory to heavenly mother. And then, you know, she gave me the lesson. I think every sister goes through this where they get a lesson from a deaconess about what you're supposed to wear and about, you know, how you have to wear nylons in service and, you know, no open toe shoes and how your skirt has to be a certain length and you can never show, you know, your um, shoulders. Oh, did you tell her that it was all your back hair that she was probably seeing? Yeah. I don't even know, girl. I had shaved my back hair that day for the Holy (laughs) Sabbath. But then I think that the brothers must also have a talking to because then they also have to learn how to keep their facial hair. So, so you weren't even doing anything wrong. She just was like, all right, no. my time is fun giving her her chat about her. That's outfit. how they do it. They wait until your faith is strong enough to handle it. It was like I had been probably, you know, bothering her the whole time. But now she thought I could do it, that I could handle it. But there was one time we were studying about, oh my God, I'm only going to say this for the member, for the former members, okay? I'm not explaining it. But um, we were studying countermeasures and we were studying about um, sunrise, sunset theory about what day does this, what time does the Sabbath day start and Friday or Saturday? Oh my God. I got rebuked, Lindsay, for like a solid hour. And I think that I've told this story on here before, but it was, it was my first public rebuke. It was terrible. I was in like top of the sermon book. Like I said, it was the top leaders in that, in that group. And I've, I'm feeling, I'm feeling special. I'm feeling like I'm about to do this. I knew the subject. I studied so hard. I knew it front to back. That was one thing is I love studying by myself and I love learning it. 
And so then I got up there and I taught it and I was like really confident about it. And then he just went off on me about how it's not about knowing the subject with your mind, how you have to preach it with father and mother's love. Okay, you guys, everybody tell me how you preach sunrise sunset theory with father mother's love it's like it's so so ridiculous anyways and how you know i don't understand mother's heart mother's love and how it's just like wasting everybody's time and i could tell that he had been holding it in for so long i mean it was just it was just all about like my teaching style and how like i'm boring and you know i'm not a good teacher and i'm too weak like that and that was kind of the reputation that i had i think as far as being a bible teacher everybody thought that i was too weak and that I wasn't strong or powerful enough in my preaching. Um, and so, and I was always told like being shy is a sin. I need to be more powerful, more forceful. And so I did like overcome quote unquote and be, you know, tried my hardest to be like a powerful, you know, speaker and teacher and stuff, but it was ne never, ever, ever, ever comfortable. You know, like I totally changed who I was just so that I could get blessings from father, mother and so that I wasn't that sinful being anymore. But anyway, so I absolutely love that now we have a podcast <laughs> like you came off as like this, like meek and like mild deaconess. And now you have a podcast. Where we That's just so funny. I know. <laughs> you know, we've always been sort of rebellious and against against the system, me and you. Oh, yeah. And I thought that by joining the cult, I was joining against the system. I thought I was joining a church against what everybody else believed in. Like, oh my God, you guys look, Christmas really isn't in the Bible. Oh, look, Sabbath day really isn't Saturday. But then, you know, all these years later, come to find out, you know, they use those things to make you think this is a great revolution and you're part of something amazing. Anyway, so... Then that, so then this great big rebuking happens. He focused on me for, I'm telling you, at least an hour. I'm standing at the board, at the whiteboard with my little, you know, thing in my hand, my marker, and everybody else is sitting there and I'm standing there and he's rebuking me with like his papers, you know, and his expressions and the awkwardness and the quiet and everybody's keeping their head down. And then we get out and he's like, okay, God bless you. And he's just like, good job. Shakes my hand, like totally normal, you know, and everybody's like, God bless you. God bless you. And then we come out and he sees my son and he's a baby. He's like a little newborn. And he's just like, okay, comfort your mom tonight. Comfort your mom. I rebuked her so hard today. Like he was like, so proud of how hard he had rebuked me. And I was sort of like, oh, wow. I, I was, I'm really like being like, shaved by father and mother it's so painful to be to be made into a new creation a new beginning you know they always use that thing about diamonds how like a diamond can never be beautiful unless it's smashed up against others and that's how it becomes shiny and beautiful i don't even know if that's true okay but that is such a messed up idea to promote like we can beat the shit out of you emotionally. And that's how you become beautiful. Like you can do anything you want to people if you convince them that that is like normal behavior. They teach you that your very being is sinful and that my shyness, that my actual personality was a sin. And to this day, I'm trying to stop thinking that way. <laughs> it's so hard to undo. Once they do it, it's hard to undo. But you know what my therapist said? That was such great advice. She said, the way to undo it is to love yourself. 
the way to get rid of all that rebuking and all that that ugliness and to defeat them is to learn how to love yourself. So that's what I'm trying to do. I love you. I hope you love yourself as much as I love Tony. It's like Justin Bieber said, why don't you go and love yourself? I love me some Justin Bieber. Any, anyway, what you just said right there was so true about how messed up it is, how you can literally get people to do whatever you want. And that's what reminds me, Lindsay, if you're ready to talk about the documentary that we watched this week. I've actually had, so this documentary is called um, Love Has Won. Is that right? It's called Love Is One on HBO. And I have had a few people actually already text me or or face-to-face say, oh my gosh, I think there's a documentary about your sister's church on HBO because it's like a mother's love is like the subtitle of it. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not the Wimscog, but obviously, but it is from Colorado. And we previously knew about the story, like the, like the blanket of the story. So of course, we like immediately watched it, right? But it's not a documentary about the Wimscog, so don't be confused by um, Mother God. But it is funny that it is, um, you know, another Mother God cult. In Colorado? Yeah. It's wild. I really recommend for you guys to watch it. We're just going to maybe say a few spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. If you don't want to hear this, just fast forward a few minutes. If you watch the first 10 minutes of it, then we're not going to kind of get the gist. And we were in a cult, y'all, so we know this firsthand. There's this woman who believes that she's Mother God. God, the mother. Amy Carlson. I don't even know what to say because it's unimaginable. I can't believe that this is real life. Scary that that people can, can live like this all under manipulation like that had they not have recorded the last episode like if that wasn't actually recorded and followed the way that they documented everything I don't think I would have believed it it was insane I feel so conflicted about this you guys because I have a podcast with an ex-cult member I never watch a cult documentary and hold a lot of judgment for members of a cult because I just feel like there's a lot of so much. I mean, how could I have had so many conversations with ex-cult members who my sister just, rebu- you know, my sister just talked about rebuking somebody for something stupid, right? Like, I know that the things that people do when they're under mind control are not their true personality. And so there's a lot of forgiveness. I am as angry at the cult members behavior as I am at the like the lady pretending to be Mother God. Because what they do is atrocious. Like you, uh, it's just insane. I feel like they should be in jail. I do too. However, it goes to show how strong the manipulation is. And also, when you believe something so much, even by themselves, their own faith, Lindsay, those believers, that was their own faith. They did things on their own will that they should have known better not to. Um, but they just believe so deeply. I that know. They were willing to do those things. I know, but it's that's no why... different than a suicide bomber believing so deeply and then bombing into 9 11. 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? The 9-11 terrorist attacks. Ooh, damn, you're going there. You're going to complete those two? I'm just saying the the strength of the belief is so deep that it cuts through any morals. The same with Jonestown, the same with, you know, Heaven's Gate, that you cannot, you, it's like you can't gain, um, you can't find yourself grounded. You're just spinning. You have no, you have no grasp of reality. You have no grasp of, Lindsay, they had no grasp of the real reality. They called it the 3D world compared to a 5D world. That is their reality. So I I do think they should be in jail, but I also understand them in a fucked up way. No, I know. I understand it a little bit, but this is the one, this is the one cult that I was like, I, I really am mad at the members. And that makes me feel so weird because I'm like, I don't ever get, I never watch a cult documentary and go like, oh, the members are fucked up for doing that. This one, I don't know. I felt different. I'd be curious to see what everybody else thinks after they watch it. Yeah, we're taking a poll. After you watch the mother, the Love Has One documentary, do you think the members should be in jail? Okay, there was another thing that I wanted to mention. I don't know if this is a spoiler, but there was a part with Dr. Phil that was really troubling. There's a part where Dr. Phil sort of gets involved for a moment, and I was highly disappointed in his unprofessionalism and also in his lack of knowledge about a cult victim or even a, or a cult leader or anything. It really felt like... Like he was kind of picking on her a little bit? Almost like he wanted a shock value or he wanted a story or something. And that made me feel really sad because honestly, if somebody could get God the Mother, Zong Gilja, fake God the Mother on the phone right now and have an interview and an intervention with her, I would like some real, you know real kind of cult expert work being done not just some you know not just somebody looking for a story only yeah that's that's totally how it came off like the family thought that dr phil was going to help them intervene in some way and he more was just kind of making a joke almost it almost felt kind of picking on or like can you guys believe do you really right right it was so like just to make fun of her or something. And then I actually think it probably made it worse in the long run. And it it was very disappointing because it was a lost moment. That was such a big story. And it's such a lost moment that could have been on national TV, a real understanding of what a cult is and who can, I don't know. Anyway, I honestly didn't watch the whole Dr. Phil episode. Maybe I should, maybe I'm wrong. We should watch it. And what I was curious about too, is if Amy Carlson knew that her family was going to be involved in it. I feel like that was also really manipulative if she didn't know that. They don't really explain. I don't know if they explain or not, but I think from the beginning perspective of it, she was really excited because her word was going to be like put out there on, on TV, on Dr. Phil. And if she didn't realize that her family was also involved and that it was going to be more of like a We've got your mom and your sister here. Like that's so detrimental. Like it's any- like an intervention. Yeah, on on TV, like over. Right. That's when just- she thinks it's her time to tell her gospel. But at the I- same time, you don't want her to get on there and then spew her nonsense. Right, but like if they didn't, if they didn't present it, like we have your mom and your sister here, and we're all going to collectively discuss it. If they were just like, come on our show because we've heard about you and we want you to come 
if we want you to come like talk talk about your experience that that's really manipulative and I didn't like yeah. it yeah okay let's watch the whole Dr. Phil episode I'm gonna watch it this weekend and okay. and maybe we're wrong maybe he did do all those things but the parts that they showed on the documentary did not make it seem like a good situation yeah and guys, I just started this like 20 minutes before our recording, so I don't know how it's going to play out. Um, it's insane already. It's called Let Us Pray, P-R-E-Y. It's on HBO. It's oh, about that's a good one. Did you watch it already? Oh, it's so crazy. Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church, I-F-B. I, just... I want to say something really quick. Okay. We shouldn't say it's so crazy. Okay. Like, do you want me to take that out, say, or you just want to put? No, that... I'm saying I want to make a statement right now. I feel like when 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 I say it's so crazy, and then we talk about the cults, it's not crazy. It's fathomable. Yeah, that's true. It's real life. It's reality. So it's anyway, like, it's like so 5D, bro. <laughs> Okay. Anywho. So, you know what? There are parts of that documentary, and I think that's why this one bothers me. Maybe this is why I hold more criticism towards the members. If I had followed a slightly different path in my life, I've always said I can't believe I never joined a cult. If I had joined a cult, it would totally be a hippie cult in Crestone, Colorado, where we eat a bunch of mushrooms and we worship some random lady and call her mother God, where everybody just is like doing whatever they want with like like your version of cult, but like with way less restrictions and a lot of drugs. Okay. Okay. That means that you would have done the things that those girls did. And I think that's why I'm so angry at them. Cause I see a little bit more of myself in that cult. And I hold a little bit more judgment because I am putting myself as them versus like in your cult, I was never going to join your cult. So maybe right. I can't make myself a member of your church. It seems it, closer to you. Yeah. yeah. I see you in that church. You even kind of look like some of those people. That's hilarious. Bro, <laughs> if I hadn't have like gotten my life immediately on track in my early adulthood, I would definitely be in that cult. Oh my goodness. I'd be living in Vermont, like swimming around in a river. Hanging out with God the Father. Like, there's like a, yeah, hanging out with Father. I'd probably marry the Father God. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't wait for you to finish that love. Eat, what is it called? <laughs> love eat pray. Excuse <laughs> me, pray love. Let us pray. Oh, let's pray. Let us pray. P R E Y. Oh, that one is really impactful and powerful. The the control the leader has, even from jail, is shocking. Shocking. I just started it. I'm sorry. I thought it was the Mormon church at you first. You know the story. Don't you know that everybody knows the story? No. No, this is this is different. This is a Baptist church. Mm. Documentary. I don't think you've seen it. It just came out. It like oh. just, just, just came out. This is a Baptist fundamentalist church, girl. This is a really bad. Oh, my God. Can you erase all that stuff? Because I didn't even know that. I thought it was the sweet... Keep sweet, keep sweet, pray and obey. That's no. the one I thought it was. No, nope, this is different. Ooh, I'm I can't keeping all this because I feel like a lot of people are going to do that. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all it's, right. 
Okay, sorry. It's on HBO. Okay. Okay. And it's about a Baptist church, which I, when oh, I started, God. I assumed it was the Mormons because of the shit that they're doing. Oh, but God. you know, I like it so far as they're, they're intertwining the stories, but they're using so much audio and video from like an actual sermon. Not one sermon, but like multiple across the countries. Oh, they're going to love that. Cults Dude. love when their sermons get leaked. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> the shit that they say on stage in front Ooh, I'm of I'm going to watch. I can't wait. Okay, cool. I, I apologize, everybody. I thought that it was the one about Warren Jeffs. Keep sweet, Ray. But you saw that one, though, Ray, about how he has all that power when he's in jail. Yeah, so I kind of put this one on assuming it was like a variation of that. You know how like HBO will have the same yeah. documentary? And I just put it on in the background because, you know, I just can't get enough of a cult documentary. <laughs> it's like my main... like a good cult documentary to start your day. Yeah. While you're cooking and, uh, immediate, and then when I realized it was a Baptist church, I was like, oh, shit, I don't know anything about this group. Ooh, I can't, can't wait to watch that one. It's really crazy. Do you know where I'm going tomorrow? Where? Beyonce, yo, yo. I'm Gosh. going to see Beyonce. I'm so jelly. Not in real life, though. Can you clarify? Not in real life. I'm going to the AMC where I'm going to go dance in the back row. And I even got my little boy to go, and it's going to be so bad. Sorry, I'm not going. I know I'm missing out. Oh, man, you are going to miss a party. But we can go another day because I'm going to want to watch it more than one time so that I can remember all the dance moves. Did you know that her daughter does a whole dance? And I, you know, I kind of am familiar with the dance, but I need to know all the dances. So we will be back on very soon with a special guest. We have an episode almost ready to come out. So keep your pants on. We are not retired. Yeah, you keep your pants on. That's directed at you, bro. (laughs) Okay, so everybody. Check out Corey's episode on the links below. Shout out to Great Light Studios. Go check out all of their all of Jordan's videos. He is doing amazing work. Good all job. All of them. Watch them all right now. Every single one. Boom, Boom baby. Boom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello, guys. We have a special announcement. Why do you make your manly voice? Okay, hold on. We are not men. (laughs) I am a man. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay. Hold Um, on, take that out. Okay. Okay. Lindsay. Lindsay. Tony. Okay, guys, we got... Okay, okay. Can we actually record this as a separate audio? Yeah, sure. Because I'm thinking about editing. <laughs> it's going to be hard to pull this out and then put it all the way in the front. Okay, that's what I was saying. Okay, do it. 